Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message. And if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone. That's a terrible translation, an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. This is the essence of evangelism, I would say. And he nails it. It says so much. And as I was thinking about that and praying about that today, uh, not just today, I was thinking about the sermon earlier than today, so for this past week, um, it just kind of dawned on me, uh, why would anybody ask you, Joel, uh, about that hope that you have? In other words, do you look like someone that has hope? Do you act like someone who has hope or peace? or knows Jesus, or knows it's going to be okay, or know there's a resurrection coming, that your sins are forgiven? Why would anybody ask you about that if you don't even look like that, right? That's why I don't wear, I don't put a uh, Jesus fish on my car, right? Uh, because, uh, you know, I don't want someone to equate my driving with uh, Christianity. So, no, I mean, if you want to do that, that's okay. But I, I, I really don't do that because I would hate to be like, I don't know, you cut someone off and like, well, there goes a Christian. That's what they do. The same sort of thing here with what uh, Peter says. Be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And my question is, why would anybody ask us that? Do we act like we have hope? Do you? Do you act like a person has hope? Would anybody actually ask you this question, right? This hits a story that I just love, and it's actually before today's, uh, the first reading, Acts 17, is actually from Acts 16, I believe. Uh, and so if you want, go to that, Acts 16. It's also a story about Paul. It's very similar, um, but uh, I think it fits even better. It's, it's, it's similar, but it fits even better to what I'm uh, talking about here. Um, Acts 16 and uh, verses 16. So Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Paul and Silas uh, were going to a place of prayer, probably a gathering of Christians in that area. They didn't have physical churches like we do. You go to people's houses only because that's just how it worked. They had kind of gotten kicked out of the synagogue, so they couldn't meet there anymore because they were saying that Jesus was the Christ, uh, but they didn't have dedicated buildings. Although very likely you might have some, we see it oftentimes, rich women <laughs> who had a lot of authority back then, by the way, would be involved uh, with the Jesus movement, and um, they would lend their house 
house, a larger house, and they would all gather there. So they're going to a place of prayer. It could be outside, too. We were met by a slave girl, Luke says, who had a spirit of divination, brought her owners, much gained by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are servants of the most guy who proclaimed to you that, anyhow, she was under kind of a slavery with these two guys, and uh, she kept on doing this. Paul becomes greatly annoyed, and it's funny, I don't know if he was annoyed that they were using her or that she was um, kind of talking about them all the time, and he, but basically, he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out of her that very hour. When the, out, when the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, right, so they can't make any money off this young girl anymore, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers, and when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They're in a Greek area, right? And there's still always, just like today, there's friction between cultures there was back then, although overall the Roman Empire was a very multicultural, very tolerant uh, place to, uh, to be in. Um, well, they all kind of looked at the Jews a little weird because the Jews were monotheistic and would say, there's only one God. And so they're complaining about them. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept their practice. And the crowd joined in attacking Paul and Silas. The magistrate, the, the mayor of the town or whatever, the, uh, um, you know, the judge of the town, tore the garments off them of Paul and Silas, gave orders to beat them with rods, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Um, having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. This is not, again, we read these in the Bible, we're like, oh, they beat them, da, da, da. You know, this is awful, right? They, and not only did they beat them with rods, just that in of itself would be an awful thing. But Luke goes on and says they'd inflicted many blows upon them. Paul and Silas had red marks all over them, broken bones, I'm sure. Blood is everywhere. And now they are fastened their feet in stocks. This is not house arrest. This is not where Martha Stewart went to prison. This is tough. What's the response to Paul and Silas? You might even wonder, they might be thinking like, Who, what is this organization? I'm in? What is this Christianity? Who is this Jesus? Where's God? I'm being beaten for just helping this young lady out, quite honestly. And you think also they might be a little angry at the crowds, at this culture of these Greeks. What do they do? Luke says, chapter 16 of Acts, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. No complaints, no Facebook posts about how unjust the Roman Empire is. No suing of the city. No swearing at the, the uh, anti-Christian culture. They're singing hymns to God praising God, talking about all that God has done, and you know that means Jesus and the forgiveness he's won on the cross and the resurrection that happens and the hope that they have that no matter what's going on right now, I mean, clearly they have hope because they had seen the risen Christ. They had had their sins forgiven. They had hope. And even the beating didn't get them down. 
And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. They're free. What would you do? Run fast, get out of there. And you'd be okay to do that. God had freed them. For what purpose? For their own safety? They could have ran, and no one would have complained, right? But the jailer wakes up, and he sees that the prison doors were open. He draws his sword, and he's going to kill himself. And he's going to do that for honor, maybe also to make it look like they killed him before they left, you know what I mean? So at least he looks like he was honorably trying to do his duty and stop the prisoners, or he's doing this because he knows that to let all these prisoners go, he was going to lose his own life because that's what you get. There was no union. Paul cries out with a loud voice. Freed Paul. Don't harm yourself. We're all right here. The jailer calls for the lights and rushes in. Trembling with fear, he falls down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The response of Paul and Silas to their enemies are not retribution. And the response to God rescuing them and freeing them was a purpose. They're free to serve. So they stayed. And the jailer, what blew his mind? First of all, the whole time before, they had been talking about this Jesus, right? Verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And you can bet the jailer was too. People are watching. Even when we're talking amongst ourselves, even when we're acting as church, not necessarily even evangelism per se, even as you are living your life in your home and your neighborhood, and maybe not specifically evangelizing, we are always evangelizing. Because people are watching, just like we watch our neighbors, and we can tell their behavior, if things are good or things are bad, or what kind of person it is by how they behave, even if they're not even talking to us. People are always watching, listening. And what blew this jailer away was the peace and the hope that they had singing. And now they could have escaped. They could have, my goodness, if they could have caused all these doors just to break open in the prison of the bust, I wonder if the uh, jailer would think they could do something terrible to him. Retribution, get back at him. I mean, if God could just free these people like this and just break this jail open, imagine what he could do to that magistrate that had them beaten. And those crowds that didn't like him and threw him in jail. Our first answer would be, yeah, I'm going to get back at them. I'm going to get out of here. Our first answer today with our enemies, 
is uh, the same, isn't it? Paul and Silas stay, all the disciples did. Not only that, I think all the prisoners stayed too. Paul had them all just stay. That blew the jailer's mind. And it hits what Peter's talking about. Be prepared to explain the joy that's in your heart. This jailer is thinking, what, what's going on? That they don't feel like they have to leave when the jail is now open. And that they stay. And that they actually saved my life and my job, even though I'm the one that put them in jail. Do you understand how that must have just blew his mind? From their words and their actions. He wants to know what in the world is the power, the joy, the hope that allows you to have that kind of strength and that courage and that love for me, the person that was your enemy. We're not in jail as Christians. We're not persecuted yet. But I feel like sometimes the church, we like, because everybody, Americans love to be victims and we love to be persecuted. We all do. Conservative, liberal, everyone loves to be the victim and everybody's after them. They're the only ones that are right. And our answer oftentimes to the church with a culture that's increasingly not Christian, and even right now with this sense of, you know, you can't uh, have church services, etc. <laughs> It seems like the answer is anger, yelling at the culture, at your neighbors. I mean, being frustrated and expressing that in social media, drawing lines in the sand. And even if it's not a Christian issue per se, um, we really get wrapped up in the news of the day. We've been doing that for a while, Christians. Inflammatory language, you know, uh, it, with our friends and our neighbors, et cetera, taking strong lines and sides, casting terrible words against people that disagree with us, even if they're totally wrong indeed. Is that the answer? Is that the response we see with Paul and Silas, who had real reason to be mad, real reason to be frustrated? Do we actually live like people who really believe the Easter promises, that Christ is risen and we will rise too, that your sins, you miserable sinner, <laughs> that my sins, such a miserable son of a gun that I am, are absolutely wiped away. Do you really believe this? And if so, do you act like it? Like, you've got everything. You're going to be okay. Christ has you. You're forgiven. You're going to rise again. See, if you really believed this, you wouldn't be so obsessed with the politics of the world. You care. There's nothing wrong with caring and being involved because everyone has a job and people should be doing that. And we should be fighting for change. And we should be doing that. There's nothing wrong with that. But the spirit of it, as if, my goodness, if this person doesn't get elected, if this policy regarding the pandemic doesn't occur, if they don't stop doing this, it's just destroying everything. The anger that we can 
convey when we talk about issues, and it's okay to talk about issues, but the anger and the intensity and the emotion of it, I think is very, it doesn't look like people who have hope or peace or know eventually, no matter who's elected, no matter what policies happen, no matter what happens with this pandemic, no matter what graphs and charts we use, we're going to be all right. Because Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ is coming again. May we follow Paul and Silas here. Listen to Peter, who says, be ready to respond, to explain what that hope and that peace is. And I love what uh, Peter says here. Uh, let me bring it up. Uh, <laughs> Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. They want to know, because everyone wants that. We exist here, St. James does, to, be, to, to exist so people are like, why are you getting together? Why do you have hope? To draw people, to be a place of people of hope and peace in this city. And Peter says, do it with gentleness and respect. Not gotcha. Have a good conscience so that when you are slandered, you, see, you still get slandered, no matter how loving you are. It's going to happen. So don't tell me, well, I was really being nice, and he was still kind of being a jerk, so I let him have it. Yes. There's going to be persecution. People sit like you. You once were like that before Christ found you. We have a certain jerkiness in us. But Peter says, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. So that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. All these stories, the story of Paul and Silas, what Peter says here, um, are perfect for us today, aren't they? Now, how do we get that power and that hope? How do we get that peace? That's the problem, because hey, I break down too. Uh, let me tell you, I get frustrated as well. I want to lash out as well. I want to say that those policies are insane, absolutely, or we're running this country into to a pit. I want to do that, absolutely. I want to get into that crowd, absolutely I do. How do I get out of that? And I fall, I'm not saying I don't. Being this word. That's why you have a church service to remind you of the reality. Get your head out of the papers. We don't have papers anymore. Out of the social media. Get your head out of CNN or Fox News or whatever. Just get your head. Once in a while, you need to get your head out of the pandemic and all the talking voices. Get your head out of that and get it into the real reality with real graphs and charts that you can count on with real predictions that will come true and have come true, right? And that is Christ has died for you. Christ has risen. Christ is coming again. You have hope. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Act like it. So what happens later on? After uh, this, Paul says, uh, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The guy says, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your whole household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, the hope and the peace. They gave that to him, and he took them the same hour that night, and he washed their wounds. He served them. And he took care of them. Isn't that beautiful? But then they did something even greater washing. He was baptized at once. He and his all his family, his infants, the whole family. Didn't ask him, by the way, because God makes you a disciple. Doesn't wait for you to ask to be one. 
And then he brought them up into his house and he set food before him. That's the church. Bring people. God brings us together as a community. Washes our, we wash one another and take care of one another. He feeds us. We gather around a meal. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. All through calamity, all through Paul being beaten, and I shouldn't put this down, I'm going to need this, <laughs> and broken. Through that, people were added to the church, and that's God's will all along. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this pandemic is part of the plan. Sorry. And it's awesome. And God has and will do amazing things through this difficulty and through your difficulty. He will actually bring hope. Flowers will bloom in deserts. Water will come out of, come out of dry places. That's how it works. It's going to be beautiful. He's going to do amazing things this coming year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.